Hey, hey, welcome. <clears throat> welcome back to the Factor. Um, I am walking again, so hopefully you didn't find last episode too annoying. <laughs> I listened to it back, and uh, the uh, walking sounds weren't as annoying as I thought they were going to be, or as distracting. But, all right, hey, one little correction. Um, yesterday I was talking about those two books I had got um, about divine or inspired imagination that's what they're talking about the actual name of both the books and they are the same name um is uh the power of imagination and so yes one is by andrew walmack and one is by uh neville neville godard i don't know how to pronounce his last name but that's his name um so yeah that's the two books sorry i have my water with me this time so i'll be taking drinks occasionally um so those came in, the, wait, I think I said it, they came in already, yeah, came in yesterday, uh, or no, one of them, Neville's came in yesterday, and then today, the other one by Andrew Walnut came in, so, um, haven't started reading them yet, well, haven't started re- reading the physical copy of Andrew's yet, or Neville's yet, I had a couple other books come in as well, and I chose to start with those, in fact, I'm going to be starting, uh, one I started reading is what today's episode is about kind of the topic anyways and and started it so the book is called i don't know, quite know how to pronounce it um inter murals 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 i'm not sure uh nine or 1892 or 1898 something like that i should have looked at the cover before i left but basically um there's a dog marking at me um so hold on one sec Okay, sorry. Um, I was walking by some people in a really noisy barking dog, so I went ahead and just stopped it. Um, where was I? Oh, shoot. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So this book, essentially, um, I'll come back to this book. First, I want to give some backstory on this book. So uh, it's funny. I have two little pieces of backstory, one for me and one from a couple students. Um, so... Uh, I'll, I'll start with mine. So I, when I was younger, I went through a phase where I basically just decided that the rapture was about ready to happen. I grew up in church my whole life, you know, always heard, you know, Jesus is coming back, it's coming back soon, da da da, all this stuff. So I basically just decided, well, soon means like, I just, in my mind, it was like that year, definitely, definitely that year, probably within like the next three months. And Okay, you're gonna laugh at me. This part's goofy. So I decided that okay, if if I'm being raptured in the next probably three months, definitely in the next year, um, there's no point to brush my teeth. <laughs> I hated brushing my teeth. I had no concept of like bad breath or anything. To me, you brush your teeth so you don't get cavities, right? I was afraid of cavities. And I hated it. I hated brushing my teeth, but I also hated and was terrified about getting cavities. Therefore, I would actually brush my teeth. Um, and I decided I didn't have to do that anymore because it was going to take, at the minimum, months to get a cavity. Probably years for me just to stop brushing my teeth. You know, I probably wouldn't know about it for at least a year or two. So, you know, I was going to be raptured long before then. Long before I'd have to have any kind of drilling or any kind of tooth pain or anything so there was no point in brushing my teeth 
And I, at the time, I was really into Power Rangers and we weren't allowed to watch them. So I created my own called Christian Rangers and I do my own comics and all this kind of stuff. And I would just imagine these storylines. So I sometimes I would lay down in bed at night and imagine the storyline. Times like I'd be doing yard work and I'd imagine these storylines. Yes, my dad had me doing yard work at a very young age. Um, so I would imagine them. And then during this period, like in the imaginations of these fights, the heroes would start getting beat. And uh, the bat, like the monster, was about ready to kill like my Christian Ranger guys because he'd beat them and he's going to either capture them or kill them. But before he could do it, they would be raptured away and he, they would just disappear, right? So all to say, I had this short period as a kid where I was like just convinced it was about to happen and was super just looking forward to it to the point of I'd pretty much given up on anything here on Earth. Um, wasn't making any future plans. Granted, I was like 9, 10, maybe 8. So I don't think I had a lot of future plans other than I was going to, you know, have a comic book company and make these Christian Ranger comic books. Other than that, I didn't really have any future plans. And then those I even abandoned because I was going to go to heaven any day now. Okay, now, sometime after that, I can't really think back how far it is. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess somewhere around probably 6th or 7th grade, this changed. And I went from thinking like, oh, the rapture is about to happen and I can't wait, to dreading it. Well, I don't want to say dreading it. Um, not dreading it, but I'll put it this way. I was basically, it sounds bad to say, afraid of heaven. <laughs> and my reasoning was, is my false negative perception of heaven. Um, and this is something that like just in the last few years, uh, I've been able to partially overcome. And this book is actually really helping me to overcome it even more to the point where like I can see by the time being done with this book, I think Paul's words about, you know, it's better for me to go or like, I'd rather go, but it's better for you that I stay type thing might start to make a little more sense because it always seemed weird to me. Like even, even in a prison cell, like with him being a prison cell, my thought was still like, yeah, I'd rather live out my life. Even if it's in a prison cell and just getting, you know, writing letters and pulling people out, like getting pulled out to speak to people at certain times. I think I still want to live my life out in a prison cell with the hope of maybe getting out one day. And as a kid, that always bothered me that Paul never got out and <laughs> that he actually was at some point executed. And I hated that as a kid. I was like, man, you know, like God should have delivered him. He could have gone on and done all these things. Um, so again, yeah, this idea of heaven to me was like almost like we were these happy, dumb zombie type happy people. Like, we're going to get to heaven, and, you know, things I'd heard about heaven, of course, like the basic stuff, like, you know, the, the streets are paved with gold, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but on top of that, there's an airplane going over me, like a military one. I hope it's not too loud. It sounds really loud in person. It's like, got four props. It's a big old military airplane. Um, hopefully it's not messing up this podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy these just kind of like casual, like I'm out for a walk talking about things that are on my mind or things that I've been reading. So if you don't like them, let me know because I can spend these uh, walks either listening to an audiobook or praying. So.
so I don't have to do an episode if you guys don't like them. So let me know if you do. Or if you don't, either way. Okay. Um, so on top of the basic stuff of like streets pay us gold, da da da. I had these these ideas of heaven of like the the biggest one was, you know, because I had been told and taught like, okay, there's no for lack of uh, you know, a real word, badness, right? There's nothing bad, there's no evil, there's no sin um in heaven, and there's gonna be no sorrow, no shame, no none of that kind of stuff. So in my reasoning, I was probably like told this in sermons and stuff too. So my reasoning I basically came to the conclusion that, okay, for us to have no sorrow, that means we can't remember anything bad that happened. And if we have someone who's not saved and not in heaven, we can't have any memory of them. And so I started thinking of it, right? I'm like, okay, for there to be, I just started th- th- like thinking this stuff out, what I thought was logically. And it was like, okay, so basically we're not going to have any memory of any of our friends or family or teachers or anyone who made an impact in our life, things we read about, any of this stuff, um, who aren't Christian. And we are going to be happy all the time. So we have to be just kind of like feeble-minded, right? There's no way we can be intelligent because we can then process things that could lead to sadness or unhappiness. So we're going to be incapable of being sad and to do that, like, we're going to have to be mentally and emotionally limited to just walk around as these, like, grinning idiots all the time who are just like, oh, heaven, everything's happy, right? So I had this very kind of negative or pretty negative uh, and very restricting view. And so, yeah, I was. it's something that's kind of always, I don't want to say scared because in one sense it's like, you know, I can't wait to go to heaven and everything be perfect. But in another sense it's like, well, I'm not perfect and I like who I am. And so who am I going to be in heaven if I have to be perfect to be in heaven and I'm not perfect now? Um, I'm going to be someone else loosely based on me was my thought. And like, I remember a few years ago talking to my mom and I made the comment, oh, I should say for since at least freshman year, if not long, longer longer than that, but at least freshman year, um, I've had this like fantasy of being immortal, right? Like when I was in high school, like the vampire stuff got really popular, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I didn't really watch. I saw episodes. I didn't really watch it, but then like Angel was a spinoff and I definitely watched that. And there was other stuff too. Twilight wasn't out yet. Thank God. I didn't have to deal with that. Um, but I had this idea um, this idea of, hold on, I'm going to see how much time I have left to know which way I want to walk. Um, oh, I saw a half hour. Okay. Uh, so I think I'm going to, I don't know. I'm just going to walk this way. Okay. So this idea of like being immortal. Oh, and also Highlander. My grandpa watched Highlander. And so I started watching that. And these guys are like immortal. The only way they could die is if another one of the Highlanders like cut their head off and took their power. Um, or, you know, the vampires had to be stabbed through the heart with a wooden stick or not. So this whole idea, or the sun, I guess, this whole idea of immortality seemed awesome because the idea of just, I wanted to experience everything, right? So I'm talking to my mom about this, like, or even the idea of like being back, like, I think Angel was like 500 years old or something. 
And so the idea of being back in those times and watching everything happen and living that long just seems amazing. Or like now, like, okay, I'm not going to like wear out and die. I'm going to get to just see the future. Like I'm going to get to see technology evolve. I'm gonna, you know, if I could be like immortal at some point, we'll probably, you know, go into space. And, and then I'd also have these thoughts of like, well, I don't know how, like, you know, I'd almost want to go back in time and be immortal because if you're immortal now, like how much good is it going to do you? Because it's probably not that long until we get raptured. Like, you know, I would say a hundred years is probably pushing it. And, you know, like, you can live to be about 100 years in your lifespan, so to, to, to be granted immortality, like, never die. And then you get to be like, hey, I'm, like, 113 now. And it's like, oh, rapture happens. Oh, you got a little bit of a longer lifespan than the average person. But, wow, did you guys hear that? I'm sure you heard that. That's, like, crazy fireworks. And wherever they happened, they echoed. It sounded like they were right here by me. I jumped a little. I'm not going to lie. Um... So yeah, this uh, is just something that's been on my mind. It's not like something I spent a ton of time. I don't sit around depressed because of it. I have had like really hard times in my life where I've really just looked forward to it. I'm like, man, you know what? I'm in a really tough situation. I don't know how to get out of it. And even if I do get out of it, it seems like it's going to be months and months and months or years before I get out of it. I kind of just wish the rapture had happened. I didn't have to deal with any of this. not just be in heaven and everything be perfect, right? Um, so this is like my been my struggle and then well, i've talked to some students who basically have the same struggle probably not the weird idiosyncrasies that i have um but have basically the same struggle about like oh when i get to heaven i'm gonna be different i'm not gonna be me but i like who i am and uh so oh yeah so for a few years ago i was talking i was driving and i was talking to my mom and i made a comment about like wanting to just be able to sit and be in places like so being immortal would be awesome because i'd want to just go to different places and not just visit here go again i can see the flashes first you know not just not just visit not like oh yeah we went on this this you know vacation and we spent two weeks or we spent a month like traveling through europe or you know whatever it is it's like no i want to like move everywhere right so if i was immortal i could literally not hit everywhere because you know immortality that doesn't necessarily mean like infinity. So, but you know, if, I, if I'm going to live to be 500 years old or like in the Bible days, like eight, 900 years old, I could legitimately live in a lot of places. Right. So I grew up in California, all over California, you know, Northern central and uh, Southern California are all very different from each other. It's almost like three separate States and it was different ways of life living there. And then we moved to Virginia and that was totally different. Visually looked different. The culture was different. Um, just everything was basically different, right? And then we now live in upstate New York. Again, it's very different. Um, and now I, I was, now that we've been in three places, I can start to see similarities and how certain things overlap and nuances of stuff. You know, and that's interesting. Like, I love the fact that I've been able to have those three places that we've lived in and because of our family started moving away too after we did um to be able to experience other areas like brandy's mom um they moved to louisiana and spent several years in louisiana so for for a good i think three years we would go out and spend 
our vacation out in Louisiana. So we go out for Christmas. Uh, one year we went out during the summer. My grandpa had passed away. That was up in Oklahoma. But the, so then we did that. But then we also spent time with her mom. And I have family in Oklahoma. So we spent time there. And just seeing the difference, it's like, oh, man, Louisiana is, like, super, super different than any of those other three places I've lived. And and just seeing the differences, right? So this idea of, like, man, I love to be able to just have, like, either be immortal or, like, have, like, a Bible life span to where I could go and, and just live these places. I could go spend 10 years in each state. And then I can go and I can live, like, each country and just move around the world and be in places and experience places and and then not have to be in a rush right like i can sit and i can be like you know what i think for the next couple months i'm just gonna sit and i'm just gonna read books and sit on the hammock and you know eat fine cheeses and and read books and take naps throughout the day like i typically hustle i'm a hard worker like i'm gonna spend this summer just because i've got a thousand year lifespan right like i've been granted a bible lifespan and you know these are the I thought I was telling my mom this, right? And she's like, well, you're going to have that. And I'm like, what? what? She said, yeah, when you're in heaven, you're going to have that. Like, you're basically going to have all of eternity and you can do all this kind of stuff. And my first thought, like, I didn't argue with her, but my first thought was like, yeah, but it's not going to be the same because like, I'm like, oh, like my heavenly body and who knows what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be like walking around as like a weird heaven person. Not, you know, like I'm not going to get to enjoy it the same way I would here on earth. Should we really think about it? That's really a ludicrous thought. It would actually be the opposite. <laughs> it's like what we would enjoy here would end up being so much fuller and richer there. But I'm getting ahead of myself now. Um, okay, so now then, I, you know, that was that conversation with my mom. I'm doing a lot of backstory here. Um, I've also had conversations with students who basically felt the exact same way. And I had a small little revelation that kind of helped me with that. Um, because about a year or so ago, my youngest son, who maybe it was more than a year, maybe it was like right when he was getting ready to turn four. Um, he was either three getting ready to turn four. I was already four. He came to us. Um, well, his, I think his mom, we were both there. He crawled up in her lap and said, I'm paraphrasing cause I don't remember the exact thing, but basically what he said was, I don't want to get older because I will change as I get older and I like who I am. So therefore I don't want to get older because it's going to change me as I get, I, I age physically, age emotionally. I learn new things, new experiences. He recognized that he's going to change and that people change as they get older. And that scared him because he says, I like who I am. I don't want to change. And that struck me as so profound one, because like, seriously, like what three or four year old is that self-aware um, you know, like kids will say, I don't want to grow up, but like to be that, that was interesting too. I was like, yeah, well, that's my, that's my kid. <laughs> um, but on top of that, um, it struck me, oh, I'll take a drink of water really quick and I'll tell you how it struck me. All right. Um, it struck me that like, Hey, this is like the same thing that I'm basically saying. I'm like, but I would never, like, if I went back to being like, five years old, I wanted to grow up. I wanted to get smarter. I wanted to learn more things. So I would never be like, no, I want to stay five. Or, you know, if you asked me even now, like, hey, would you want to go back and be five forever? Or do you want to go back to when you were a teenager and be a teenager forever? Heck no. 
would be the answer. And I remember talking to some students and I said, look, okay, you're 13, 14 years old. Do you like who you are? Well, yeah, that's like the whole point of this conversation is that I'm afraid that when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be me anymore and I like who I am. Okay, okay, fair enough. So you like who you are now. Would you want to stay this way forever in your life, your physical life? Do you want to stay, do you like yourself now so much that you'd want to stay exactly who you are and not change? And they're like, well, no. Like, yeah, I want to grow up. Like, I want to finish high school. I want to go to high school and graduate from high school and, you know, get married and have kids and have a job and go to college. I didn't say those in the right order, obviously, but I'm just throwing out some random things, you know, go backpacking, whatever it is, start a business be in ministry, whatever it is, right? I'm just throwing out some life experience stuff. And they're like, no, I wouldn't want to be who I am at 13, 14 years old for the rest of my life. I want to, you know, grow and become better. And I'm like, that's the exact same thing. So right now, it's like, now imagine though, like you thinking about, okay, so you're 13, let's say 14, you're 14. You thinking about yourself when you're, let's say 34, you have an idea of what that's going to be like, but you can't comprehend it. You don't understand what it like, what it's going to be like. So the same way that you wouldn't want to be stuck how you are for now. And if I asked the 34 year old version of you, they wouldn't want to still be you. They would want to be the 34 year old version of themselves. And the 54 year old version of you wouldn't want to be the 34 year old version. Right? Like, okay, fine. Maybe like a 90 year old version or an 84 year old version might be like, heck yeah, let me go back to being like, you know, to that. That'd be cool. But that doesn't mean that you'd actually want to stop like that and be stuck like that. Right? Um, sorry, I got a little distracted because I caught pulled up. Um, so, yes, this whole idea of, of growing. So, in the exact same way that you wouldn't want to be limited in your current mental state your current financial state, your current educational state, all these things for the rest of your life, um, it's going to be like that with heaven. You are going to start to grow. You are going to start to mature. And you are going to um, have whole new understanding. So when you get to heaven, like you're going to like cast off this body. You're going to have new revelations and new experiences. And you're going to be amazed, right? And you would never want to look back and go, hey, you know, back when I was on earth, um, I really liked who I was on earth. Can I just stay like that, but just be in heaven as the old me? You would never make that choice, right? So hopefully, if you're in that same boat of feeling a little uncomfortable, a little nervous about that, that will hopefully, that perspective will help a little bit, but that's not the main part I want to get into. I'll take another drink. We'll get into the main part. All right, so the main part that I want to get into, I want to talk about this book, Into Murals, or however you pronounce it. Um, so it's basically written by a woman who back in the 1800s, I'm guessing 1894, 96, or 90, whatever the title is, I'm guessing that's probably the year she died. She died and went to heaven and then came back. So we hear a bunch of this stuff now. Uh, we've heard some of these stories now. Um, this was back in the 1800s. This is a while ago. And she wrote basically out her experience. 
and begins to describe heaven and, and what it was like. And it was interesting because it's different than some of the accounts I've heard. Like a lot of people, you know, who visit heaven, like just the planets has talked about it and other stuff. Um, a lot of people talk about how like, they get a tour. And I don't know if it, it's based on each person. Like I've never had this like near death or out of body experience of like going to heaven. So like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but her version, I'm like two or three chapters into it. So I will be talking about this more in other podcasts. Her basic version of it is um, she gets greeted by her brother-in-law. Her husband's not dead yet, but um, his brother is. And he begins to show around. He shows her her house. He shows her his house. He reunites her with her, her parents. Um, she hangs out with her parents and her younger sister who had died for a little while. And then she goes and she meets an uncle, no brother, and goes off with her brother. Um, I stopped right about the time she met an aunt that she, like her favorite aunt that she totally loved. And just basically is reuniting people, seeing things, and learning some basics about heaven. And those basics about heaven is what I thought is so interesting. Okay, so let me back this up just a second and say how I heard about this book. As I was listening to a book by Andrew Walmack, and he made the comment, like he told the story of how someone gave it to him, and he was going, he was after speaking, he was on the road, like he was out somewhere speaking, and someone gave him a copy of this book, and he's like, he was going back to his hotel room, he's tired, he just wanted to go back, relax for a little bit, go to sleep, he had to get up the next day, fly home, and then fly right back out to another speaking thing, right? So... He goes, he goes to just thumb through the book, read a little bit and got hooked. And he said he read it, the whole book, right? So he's like, forget rest. He read the entire book, um, got up the next morning, flew home, like got home just enough time to like change, put his stuff down. He flies out to another conference to speak and his wife um, picks up the book while he's gone and she does the same thing. She starts to read it and ends up reading the entire thing. So, um, they both read it in the period of like a couple days of each other. They talked about, it. and he said that he, they both, after reading that book, it painted such a vivid and such an awesome picture of what heaven was like that they had to actively use their faith to like, stay here, <laughs> like stay here like, and not be like, all right, God, just take us now. We want to go. We don't want to be here anymore because they recognize that. Okay. Look, if we go before our time, that would be better for us. This sounds like the Paul thing, right? But it'd be a little selfish. So instead, we, we're going to stay here, even though it's hard, because we have a, a calling and a ministry to finish off. And I'm like, wow. That, uh, well, I was going to say, wow, that sounds awesome. I'll tell you what I really thought. That sounds stupid. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of book is going to make you want to literally stop living and go to heaven? This sounds dumb. But... You know, I have my little bit, my little phobia of heaven. So if there's, if this book could help me at all with like understanding heaven better, then heck yeah, I want to go read it. Even if it's just a little bit. Well, I can tell you, I'm only, like I said, two or three chapters in. And though I'm not to the point of like wishing I could just go to sleep and not wake up and be in heaven, it is definitely helping with some stuff. And it's painting, I think, a much more accurate picture, but also a much more positive picture and it's supplanting or, or digging up and replacing some really negative um, 
mindsets and imaginations and ideas about heaven. So, um, the main one, like if I had to sum it up, you're like, okay, all right, I got to go pastor. I'd like sum this up. What is it? Oh, excuse me. Now I got the hiccups from walking and drinking. Apparently, um, the main thing is just the idea and like conclusion that I'm drawing from listening to this, that like, we're not going to walk around as these like half brain dead, happy heaven zombies. Right. That she talked about um, the one thing she said that was really interesting. And she said, you know, cause she kept asking these questions like, wait, this is in heaven or we have this in heaven or we do this in heaven. And her brother-in-law would be like, um, yeah, why would it wait? And she talks basically about like, it's interesting that on earth, we assume that like, as soon as we cast off our physical bodies, we're going to then just be, get to heaven and basically start over. And like, we're, we're casting ourselves off just because we cast off our, our bodies. She's like, but we still have our, our spirit. So like our spirit is still going to be in heaven. We're still going to, even though we don't have our physical body, we're still going to have our same likes and interests and um, desires and that kind of stuff, you know, assuming like, assuming they weren't like bad stuff. Like if you're an alcoholic or if you struggle with that, um, you're not going to like be in heaven and still wanting to drink alcohol. Though that is the case with hell, by the way, like that's one of the things about hell is whatever it is that had you on this earth, you're going to have just, uh, insane desire for it. So if you're an alcoholic on earth, you're going to basically spend all eternity in hell, just like dying for a drink, basically. Um, I don't mean water, like in this story in the Bible, I'm talking about like wanting beer or alcohol. Um, so this idea that like, look, you're still the same person. Like, yeah, you don't have the same body anymore, but you're still the same person. You're still going to have a lot of the same interests and likes and desires and all that. And that was interesting. In fact, she's talking about at one point he's showing her, she told us about two rooms in her house. He's like showing her house and, um, one of the rooms was a library and it was full of all these books. And she's like, Oh, we have, we have books in heaven. And she's like, he's like, yeah. And she's like, why, why, why do we read in heaven? And he's like, why not? (laughs) And, um, she was talking basically about this idea. Like, like you're not going to get to heaven and just like be wiped clean and start over. Like you, she's like, you've spent your entire life growing and learning and developing preferences and all these things. Like that's not just going to all go away just because you lost your mortal body when you get in heaven. And she talked about different things about like different preferences for taste and flowers. She talked a lot about it. Cause again, she's from the 1800s, right? So flowers is kind of a big deal back then apparently, because apparently everyone had their own favorite flowers. And she was talking about how, um, uh, what am I saying? I'm anticipating going by this noisy fan thing. And if I need to walk wide, yeah, it's running. Okay. Um, and so she's talking about like favorite flowers and stuff. It's like, look, this is your favorite flower on earth. And this is your favorite scent on earth. It's going to be your favorite flower and your favorite scent in heaven. You're not going to be like, I love roses or for like me, I hate roses. I don't hate them. I don't like the smell of roses. I think they're pretty enough. I just don't like the smell of them. So she's like, you're not going to get to heaven. And if you love roses, you're not going to like now magically like some other flower or not like flowers at all. You're still going to love roses. Um, and so that was interesting. And she talked about like one thing that I thought was really fascinating. And again, I can't go into the theology of all this, right? Cause I'm reading her book and I'm like, 
I mean, how does some of this check against scripture? And she, so I'm not, by talking about this in this episode, I, by no means am I saying that everything she said is totally accurate. And, you know, if there's any doctrinal errors or something she said that, no, she's right because she's been to heaven and what we think is wrong and she must be right. And so we have to change our theology. I'm not saying that, guys. I'm not even 100% saying that, like, everything she says is exactly true. Um, what I'm saying is that what it, this book is doing for me is is really tearing down these negative um, ideas of heaven and replacing them with much more popular. You may be thinking, like, well, that's dangerous, Pastor Jared. You don't want these, even if they're positive, you don't want these false ideas of heaven. Look, I'd rather have, yes, you're right, I'd rather, you know, God come down and show me exactly what heaven's going to be like. And, and it would be this awesome thing, which probably not because then I probably wouldn't want to be here anymore. It would be hard to come back and not want to be here. And re regular life would probably be hard for the rest of my life. And I'm still pretty young. So maybe I wouldn't want that. But as far as understanding like absolute truth, yes, that would be great. But here's the thing. If I had to choose between the negative false perceptions of heaven and things that are that I think are true about heaven that aren't actually true or maybe true in a small part, but I've like magnified and twisted things into a negative way, which is causing me to be hesitant and even fearful of times of heaven and wanting to live forever because I'm afraid to go there. Right. Versus, Oh, here's some things that are also inaccurate or maybe exaggerated or slightly twisted, but they're positive things that are going to cause me to be joyous and overjoyed and, and happy at the thought of going to heaven. I mean, yes, I'd rather have perfect truth, but you know, this side of eternity, we're not going to get that for every little thing of heaven. So I'd much rather have the positive things and then get to heaven and realize the truth. Right. And, and be like, Oh, Oh, I always thought it was this way, which was exciting. It's actually this way, which is so much better. You know, I'm so I'm, I'm overjoyed and even more excited because I thought all these wonderful things about heaven and I got here and I just realized that it's even better than these things I thought versus going, oh my gosh, heaven's awesome. Why did I spend, wow, I basically wasted my life. If I had known heaven was like this, I would have lived my life differently. So all that to say... I'm not saying like, don't come back and be like, well, I've read this book and she said this and doesn't the Bible say this or how could this be true? Because if this is true, that would mean this is true. I'm not trying to make this some theological statement. I'm not trying to say this is my theological understanding of heaven. I'm saying this book is tearing down and rewriting a lot of these negative things and negative fears about heaven. That's all I'm saying. And that's all I think that you should use it for as well. Um, okay. What was I saying about that? Oh, she talked about, talking about the reading the books and stuff. And she said something that was fascinating and really interesting is she talked about like people who have spent their lives studying something, this side of heaven here on earth, getting to heaven and then getting a fuller or a full understanding of it and then being used to, you know, teach others, right? And that basically becomes, I don't want to say job because job has a negative connotation, but essentially like that's what they now do. And that's how they minister to others. And that's how they help others. And I would have tagged this as one of those things that is probably doesn't match up with, you know, what heaven's actually going to be like. Cause again, I imagine us as just like frolicking around, just like 
singing praises all the time. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of that in a good sense. Um, John Bevere teaches on this. And it was the first time I'd really heard of it uh, about like the concept of like your late, like what you do, like having a, again, don't want to use the word job, but having a job in, in heaven and, and about how your, what you do, your works here on earth, you know, the, the scripture talks about how like they're going to pass through a fire and if they are things of God, like basically these are things God's called you to do. Um, and I've, you know, if you've been in our Sunday school class, you've heard me teach on this, how they're going to be refined, right? So if you, God called you, let's just say God called you to be a pastor and you spent 34 years pastoring, God, that's going to go through the fire like silver or gold or precious metal and all the imperfections, all the bad attitudes and the wrong thinking and the, the, the selfish motives that you had while doing these things, right? Those are going to be pulled out like dross, which is like, like the bad stuff, the metal, the whatever stuff in like gold and these things that make it less pure and less valuable. And then it will pass through as this pure gift, this pure, purest form of, of what you spent your life on versus if you don't, even if you do something positive, like if you're supposed to, you know, be a business person and raise funds to support pastors and missionaries and stuff, but instead you say, no, I'm going to pastor because that's a noble thing and I want to help people. And that wasn't what you're supposed to do. It's going to be burnt up like hay or straw or wood, and you're still going to make it into heaven. But all those works of all of your life are going to be burnt up. So you're going to barely make it into heaven. It says as one smelling as smoke. Um, and yes, you're there, but you now have nothing to show for your life. And that's going to be sad. And God's going to have to like help you through that and comfort you through that, right? So John Bevere has this whole teaching where he goes and talks about um, having like a position and a job based on what you did. Hold on, I'm going to take another drink. And how we're not going to just be mindlessly floating through eternity. But we're going to have stuff to do. And we're going to love it and enjoy it, right? And she made the comment. She made the comment that. Um, and that's part of like the whole reward thing, right? Like it's not just like well done. But like the reward for what you did on earth. You get a better position there in heaven, right? And I thought about this too. Um, but this whole. She made the comment like. What'd she say? No, I forgot. Dang it. I gotta stop cutting myself off. But she talked about how oh man, that was a good one too. Um, anyways, I can't remember, but essentially, yeah, she this whole point of like you're still going to be you in heaven. You're it's just gonna be a perfect version of you. There's still going to be lots of things there that like we think are just here on earth. Oh, that's what she said. She said, try to think of how she said it. Um, that people are going to get there, get to heaven, and be shocked at how closely. Now, some of you aren't going to like this. Some of you, if your parents hear this and they're old school, I'm sure they're going to feel like this is sacrilege or blasphemous or something. But I'm going to repeat, you know, what she said. She said that we're going to be um, shocked when we get there at how closely tied um, heaven and earth actually are. Now, not as in they're the same thing, right? So let me explain this. But in the fact that um, they're closely tied as in 
earth is just an imperfect, I won't say an imperfect version of heaven, but it's going to have similarities. It's not like it's this completely new thing, right? It's not um, completely different and a completely different set of experiences that there's similarities. So we like to re write and read books here on earth. That's going to be happening on heaven, just like I said, at a higher form and at a um, a, high, a higher level. So I was joking with my daughter on my home. I was like, man, if I was an author, I feel like I'd be like, all right, hold on. Give me about 10,000 years. Okay, after you do the whole introductions and you spend time in the presence of God and it's like, okay, it's time to start doing some work. It's like, okay, hold on. Give me about 10,000 years. I want to go study everything that I was, I used to be an expert in on earth. I want to rewrite all my books and write better heaven versions of them with a better understanding, right? Um, and so somehow heaven and earth are much closer related and how the things you do here on earth have a much bigger now this part was both exciting and convicting and kind of terrifying about you have a much bigger uh role on your eternity in heaven so it's like the things that you are so you know it could be easy to say you know i don't really read my bible and pray and kind of seek God and to seek to know the nature of God and the nature of the, the way this whole kingdom of God thing works as much because, you know, I just try to do my best to live. I'll let my pastor, my youth pastor, whatever kind of tell me and I do my best to live and, you know, I, I love God and he loves me and when I get to heaven, it's all going to be made known to me anyways, right? Well, she said like there's a correlation between like what you've learned and studied here and the one example she gave is she was talking with her parents and her someone came in and was like you know said something to him and he had to go he had to go you know and it's like oh i'll be back soon i got i got something to take care of and so he leaves and the mom she's asking her mom like oh what does he do like what is his job like what did he have to go take care of and she's like well what your dad does is he all right sorry my timer went off so i got lost track of time and i'm like way further from my house than i should be oh <laughs> my timer's done so man i'm walking for nothing now um so it's like what your dad's job is is when people get here who basically didn't develop themselves at all on on earth and get here as like barely getting to heaven and she gave um his specialty i guess was working with like deathbed confessions so you know people who never lived as a christian never developed their spirit never any of that kind of renewed their mind really developing their spirit with you know um none of that then they get to heaven and they're like infants spiritually and they have to be built up step at a time and that is his job is he goes and he works with them so it's like you spent your whole life not as a christian you're on your deathbed someone leads you to the lord you get saved you get to heaven and he works with them right he to develop their spirit step by step to get them like to be basically, I don't want to say a full citizen, because then you're going to be like, well, there's a caste system in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But you get the point. Works with them to develop them to the point of spiritual maturity that they need to be to be in heaven. Um, and she talked about how the reason that's his job is because that's what he's so good at, because he spent his life as an evangelist. And so he spent his life like converting people over and training them up in, in on this world so that's what his job is there. It also gave the example, not as much detail, so I want to say that one first. But it also talked about how her brother-in-law, at one point he had to go too and turned her over to the parents. Um, and they basically were talking about something, and they're like, we don't have... Oh, they were asking her a question about something, but then they basically said, we don't have a ton of knowledge about that. 
Um, you know, like God basically gives us the knowledge of it as we need it. He said, your brother-in-law actually knows more about that. He actually has a lot more insight to this stuff than we do because what he does, he spends a lot of time in the presence of God and ministering in the presence of God. So because of that, he actually has a lot more knowledge about certain things um, than we do. So we can't answer that question for you, but he might be able to, if you will, um, because of his position. She didn't say what he did in life to like get him that like higher position. But like, I read this thing and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not even done with the third chapter and already I want to completely change my life. First off, like, I, I mean, never going to ever be nervous, like on an airplane again, or, you know, if like, oh, this car's coming by. Like, you know, if you're nervous, like, oh, well, what if a terrorist came in and, like, shot this place up while I'm in here? Like, that was a legitimate, I've had students who that's been a legitimate fear. First of all, like, oh, that stuff goes away because it's like, look, I'm going to do my best to, like, work hard and provide for my family and get my family set up in case something did happen to me. Like, I don't want to. I want to be here for them and I want to, like, live my full and best calling here on life. Um, but <laughs> your your plane crashed or something happened, it's like... Okay, that's not at all scary anymore because heaven sounds so amazing. And on top of that, um, like, it makes me want to go, okay, I need to, like, this is going to change the way I actually live my life, knowing that direct correlation and how those play into each other. I'll wait for this car. Okay, I got to sit really quick just say, uh, we just had this crazy storm. And there's, like trees like huge branches just falling everywhere um that's why the car got so close to me is it had to go around the branches so it's going to totally change sorry jumping back in that really quick totally change how i prioritize things and even live on this earth knowing how much you know that ties in and how much so it's like okay so how many people are like, I'm going to live for myself and da, 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 you know, and go out, make a ton of money, do my thing. Uh, you know, God's, I feel like God, as a kid was calling me to be a pastor or a missionary, but I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman or a business lady or whatever and make a ton of money. And um, when I get to heaven, then I'll do more of the God thing, right? It's like, oh, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be like on a bottom rung or like, you know what? I know I should study my Bible. I should pray and all this, but I'd rather watch like binge watch four seasons a weekend of my favorite Netflix show, right? Um, and it's like that motivation to do these things that we know we should do anyways, but we're kind of lazy about sometimes, right? Or a lot of times it's just because we haven't developed our spirit enough on this side of eternity here on earth to like those things. Like I've told the story and you plenty of times about how I used to hate reading the Old Testament and how boring it was and I just fall asleep every time. And reading the Bible in general basically put me asleep, and I specifically hated the Old Testament. And how I prayed, and for for a couple months, I was purposely reading the Old Testament and praying that God would help me to open my eyes and make it interesting and make it come alive to me. And how like I actually end up compensating the other way, where I'm now purposely trying to spend most of my time reading the New Testament because like all I ever want to do is read and preach out of the Old Testament. Um, and so. You know, we have to sometimes these things, we have to develop it. Like, you don't just, oh, I'm going to try a soap devotion. Nah, that wasn't that much fun. I'd rather play video games. Okay, do that for nine months. Do that for a year. 
and then see how you, it changes and how you're like, oh man, I would never start my day. I'm not saying this for me because I don't actually currently do soap devotions. I have a different morning routine. Um, but it's like, I, you'd be like saying like, I'd never start the day without these soap devotions. And then, or, you know, whatever it is, I'd never start the day without spending time with the Lord first. Um, Todd White, you know, I, I said in a, I think I said in an episode a while back, uh, Todd White talked about, you know, praying in the spirit for 20 minutes when you first get up to start your day, right? You, you start doing that for a while and you're like, oh, man, it's weird. And I'm like praying in tongues for like a minute or two and then it just feels awkward and right. And then you do that for nine months, a year or whatever. And you're like, man, I would never start my day without doing that or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? We develop our spirit. So it's not like, oh man. I want heaven to be good, so I have to do all this horrible stuff here on earth. I don't get to play Fortnite. I don't get to watch Netflix. I just have to spend all my time reading the Bible and praying. It's not like that, right? You, you begin to develop yourself, and and um, it begins to kind of change. Your, your spirit grows and changes. Um, just like you start lifting weights and you go to the gym, you're like, yeah, I don't ever want to do that again because I'm super weak and um, I can't really lift anything. Uh, and you do that for you know nine months, a year, whatever, and all of a sudden... You're, you're like, no, I'm strong. I look good. I love going to the gym. Uh, so that whole kind of thing. So, all right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up because this is by far, I think, one of the longest episodes I've done uh, since I did uh, co-host this with Jonathan and we had multiple segments. So um, I will definitely be talking about this book some more. Um, not tomorrow, but I'm sure as I get more into this book and have more kind of insights and stuff that dog's barking again, so I apologize. Uh, have more more stuff to talk about. So until then, uh, love you guys. Have a blessed day. Share this with a friend or a family member or someone who you know is also afraid of heaven or nervous or unsure or whatever it is. So do me a favor, go share it with them. Tell them about this episode. Love you guys. Have a blessed day. See you later.